Hello, and welcome to Diversity Ever After, a Baker Donaldson DI podcast. We are professionals focused on creating an honest and accepting space for ourselves, our community, and our listeners. Here at Diversity Ever After, we raise awareness of DI workplace and social issues, we advocate for increased representation and inclusion, and we navigate uncomfortable but necessary conversations. Inclusion starts with I, so we invite you to listen and become in touch in tune and inclusive. Okay, hi, welcome in. Uh, This is our first season of Diversity Ever After, episode one. We are focusing on code switching this season. I'm Tori, one of your hosts. I have with me Tania, Victoria, and Nikunli. Y'all say hey. Hey, everyone. Hi, everyone. So we are going to hop on into it. This is Diversity Ever After, a Baker Donaldson D&I podcast. And this entire first season is different facets of code switching. So code switching, we're going to get into the history of it a little bit in our next episode, but just so we're all on the same first page, talk a little bit about where it started. It has two different iterations. One comes from linguistics. So basically code switching can be what you call or deem Spanglish, like when you're mixing two different languages, But that's not necessarily the code switching that we are talking about. We are taking our definition from Harvard Business Review. They say that broadly code switching involves adjusting one's style of speech, appearance, behavior, and expression in ways that will optimize the comfort of others in exchange for fair treatment, quality service, and employment opportunities. Therein lies some of the problem and some of the things that we will be talking about ourselves. So we are going to do just that. And within our own little sphere here, we're going to talk about ways in which we feel as though we have code switched, ways in which we feel as though we've been taught that that's the way that we need to go about advancing in our careers and how that has affected us, how we see it changing and just our own personal lived experiences with code switching in professional environments. So with that, I will open us up. Ladies, is there anything else that you want to add to the definition of code switching before we get into our own personal issues? I think that was a great definition. Okay, so let's start just with ourselves. So in the intros, y'all already heard about us a little bit. So I will say like for myself, when it comes to code switching, being like multiracial it has its really own facets of interesting weirdness so like even at home if i'm visiting family if i'm with my latino family then i you know put on a little accent make it feel as though they know that i know that i'm latina but say i'm with my black family down in georgia we put on a little twang and it just makes everyone even yourself or others feel more included, accepted, whatever it is. So for me, I went to predominantly white institutions. I came from a really college educated family. So when we think about code switching as pertains to the black community, there can be the expectation that all black people are one monolith. And tell me, y'all tell me if that's not true, but um, no one anticipates for you to be different, sound different, look different and still identify as a fully black person if you don't have all of these things tell me i'm wrong 
No, you make a good point, Tori. Um, we often associate code switching with feeling like we have to talk a certain way when we're around other races, but I will say that even just being around, um, I also went to a PWI for undergrad, um, my whole life actually from kindergarten, undergrad, um, law school, all of them are PWIs. And I will say that I have even found myself code switching even around black people, depending on what space I know them from. So my church black friends, like I might do something and might do a little dance. I might talk to them a certain way. Whereas the black people I met at Emory, I might feel um, like I need to sound more educated with them and just kind of show, you know, we all deserve to be there. And that's even within my own race. So we definitely need to talk about, you know, how there are, are things um, to get away from when we're talking about, you know, all black people, you know, talking and looking the same. Victoria, how about you? Same. I'm from Memphis. So, of course, I went to a PWI as well. And I tried really hard, you know, to kind of like mask that urban, um, you know, twang that you talked about. Um, and especially reality TV was like really popping at the time. So I had two nicknames, one of which was Little Three Six. And then the other... <laughs> I'm not going to even mention that one, but I found myself just being very cognizant of, oh my God, I don't want anybody to say like, oh my God, she's so Memphis. So to both of your points, it can happen when you're with other African-Americans. It can happen in the workplace. Um, and I, I'm so glad we're getting into it because sometimes, you know, you, you just do it. It's so organic for you to make that switch. Um, and that's also very interesting. You know, one thing you said that I want to highlight is that you didn't want to show you were from Memphis. So people think of code switching and a lot of these topics that we'll talk about through this podcast is if it's just a black thing or a white thing, but it can be a geographic thing. It can be the school you attended, like we're talking about now. And you do learn these notions of changing it up, depending upon the group that you're around. I grew up in an all-Black school, so I had this um, view of life very singular because it was just all-Black kids around. And, you know, of course, there were different pockets where you would act a certain way around some that you wouldn't necessarily act around others. But then I went to undergraduate, which was a predominantly white institution, and boy, was there a culture shock. And I think that that's when I truly had the light switch flip on that there is a difference here. And there's the difference in the way I'm communicating with some versus the way I'm communicating and interacting with others. And so it's just extremely telling that being placed as that fish out of water sometimes really lets you see, well, maybe I don't quite fit in. Do I need to change it up to fit in and get to where I'm trying to go? And hopefully throughout this podcast, we'll get to talk about how can you, you know, tackle both of those? Because you need to be yourself, but how can you do it in a way that's authentic to you, recognizing that sometimes you may switch it up, but you still want to be authentic? I like that. Just touching on authenticity and you know, all of this comes back to not only how you're presenting yourself, but how you're perceived. And we will also get into that in this season of the code switching um, topic area. But let's talk about, I want to urge us to get just past the things that are more obvious. So we talked about, you know, like say for Victoria's point on being from Memphis, that's not obvious. You can't look at her and say that unless she's wearing a t-shirt that says, I am from Memphis. So um, 
some examples that I have, like your age can and cannot sometimes be as obvious, but those are different areas in which if you are the youngest person in a room, you feel as though you need to dress a certain way, look a certain way, act a certain way. And that all goes back to code switching, um, marital status. If I move one ring to the other side, then people assume different things about me. And it's simply not true, but in some spaces, especially down south, it can be the fact that a married woman has more respect. Don't ask me why that is, but it just simply is. Vernacular for say, sexual orientation, these are all different things. So can y'all add to my list? What are different ways that, you know, if someone listening is like, well, I don't necessarily think that I do that. Be like, oh, actually, yeah, I just might. Um, I can talk to that, Tori. Um, I, in thinking about, you know, different ways that I code switch, you know, the main way that we usually think about it is the way that we speak. And that is just the tip of the iceberg. So I thought about, you know, code switching as it relates to religion. So I, if I'm at home or with my family, we always pray over our food, like without fail, we might, you know, bow our heads, close our eyes. Um, if we're at a restaurant, we'll do it. And I didn't realize that I was doing this until we started preparing for this podcast. But when I was a summer associate, you know, we go to lunch every day and I didn't close my eyes to pray. I might just say a silent prayer and just not make it known that that I was doing that. And I didn't realize that I was doing it until one of the attorneys that took me to lunch, he closed his eyes and prayed over his food. And then I was like, oh, like, why was I not doing that when that's what I always do at home or with my family. Um, and it was really an eye-opening, you know, experience to realize that, like Victoria said earlier, sometimes we just so naturally code switch, we don't even realize that we're doing it. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to hear other ways that, that you guys have maybe um, dipped into code switching and not even been conscious that you were doing it until after. You know, I want to hit a point on that before we move on, but that's so interesting that you said that because I remember, and I know I was a summer associate before you guys, but I still remember those times. And I do remember uh, going on lunches and, you know, I would always pray though. I would always close my eyes and pray. I would do it, but I would also feel like people are looking or like, you know, no one else was doing it. So even though I did it because it was true to who I mm -hmm. was and, you know, what what I had always done, I still did acknowledge that, you know, I did get some looks and people would like stop talking or just, you know, wait till I finished. And I tend to take kind of a while to say my prayer over food. And so it was, it was interesting that you mentioned that because something as subtle as that, mm -hmm. as that can definitely happen and be something that we just adjust unknowingly, you know, just, I would even say with the vernacular, I don't consciously do it at this point because I've do it, done it for so long. But if I'm around just friends or if I'm around family, that talk just changes, Absolutely. you know, naturally without me even having to think of, about yes. it or having to switch it off. It just comes, it's just there. It's like, okay, I can let my hair down, mm -hmm. so to speak. Oh, we will get back to hair. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Victoria, go ahead. <laughs> I think you all have probably hit all of the ones that I was going to say, so. So let's talk about hair for a second, mm -hmm. because, you know, on the call, we all identify as black women and um, child, uh, mm -hmm. the hair is just a thing sometimes. And I have to say, like, there are moments where you have to acknowledge that you have a little bit of privilege. I have super long hair and when my hair is natural, it is just wavy. It doesn't have like C4 top, 
top hair. So it is more commonly accepted in this world of code switching, but that's not the case all the time. And so for my, for instance, my mom, she um, really wanted to get into fitness. So she was like, I can't, I, she struggled so much trying to decide if she, A, was going to cut all her hair so that it was just easier for her to work out because B, if she didn't, she would have to do it all the time, relax it, do something that she didn't want to do with it. And it's just something that not everyone has to deal with. So um, you can tag me here. Talk, talk to me, Victoria. <laughs> I'm like the 4B or C person. Um, and I didn't know how much I cared about. I mean, I, I, I do know how much I care about my hair, but thinking about how it would be perceived in the office if I came natural until, you know, it was, I was a summer associate and I was working out and my aunt had given me two French braids and I thought, okay, this is sleek, neat, you know, I look kempt, this will be fine. And my mom saw me and she was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, you will not wear your hair like that into that office, you know? And a lot of times, you know, we do, put pressures on ourselves um, and we think that, oh, I cannot wear my hair this way because number one, nobody else in my office, you know, face it, nobody else in, in my office has an Afro or is wearing a twist out. And so you are immediately like, well, no, can, can I even wear braids? And I kind of, I'm so grateful for COVID because now um, it's just a more laid back atmosphere and we just all are literally kind of like so over it too. I had braids, I had cornrows and put on earrings and lip gloss and it's really fine, but I could not believe how much energy I gave to, oh my God, I have to take my two French braids down and do a sleek ponytail. No, it's I mean, hard. that is a huge issue. Mm -hmm. It is hard. And I tell this story to so many people and one of my friends, when we were interviewing with summer for summer positions and then later accepted where we were going during the interview process and the summer process, she wore her hair straight, but she transitioned to natural after that process and wanted to go in with her natural hair. And she was told by one of, um, one of the other ladies actually in the firm, oh, that's not how your hair was when you were interviewed and hired. So you should straighten your hair and, you know, change the way it looks before you come in. And, you know, that was one of those opportunities where she was almost forced to code switch. But I raised that because a lot of times people don't understand what their comments can do to people. And they don't also understand how important representation is mm -hmm. to have people who are comfortable enough and accepted enough within the organization to present as themselves. If that's their natural hair, then that's their natural hair. And they have it neatly and they're able to come in and present professionally even with that. So, you know, to your point, sometimes a person has to be that brave soul, but it's also important for those listening to ensure if you're in leadership roles and you're holding those positions to make it an inviting space and a space where people can be themselves and know that it's more about um, being professional in general, but not this standard of what is or is not professional when it relates to hair, particularly when you have people of different backgrounds and ethnicities with different hair textures that are amazing and beautiful and we should celebrate. I agree with that. And then I think one last touch on the hair conversation, something that we definitely won't um, solve today, but 
I, when I used to bartend when I was in law school, I dyed almost all of my hair blonde and it was so fun and it was accepted in that space. And even so, um, like tomorrow I'm going to dye my hair brown for summer, but that's still acceptable against my skin tone. But something that we still have to like all collectively face is that someone with pink hair could still be a bomb attorney just because they want to wear their hair pink doesn't mean that the brain underneath it isn't fantastic. Right. I don't know that yeah. we're going to get there today, tomorrow, but it's yeah. something that we need to start considering. Definitely. I laugh because um, <laughs> when I was interviewing, I forgot to put on makeup to cover my nose ring. And, you know, I still got the job. Right. So <laughs> if it hadn't been for me forgetting to do it, I would have felt compelled to cover it up you know, every single day. And thankfully for two years, you know, I've been able to really wear my nose ring and be okay about that. Right. Um, that's something that I have noted as well. My nose ring. Um, God bless those masks. Nobody knew it. <laughs> Sorry. I was up in court with a nose ring and that was unintentional, but it happened. <laughs> um, like I have tattoos that some are visible, some are not, but I think it's just something that we need to really consider in the professional space, not just office culture, that like these things don't diminish someone's capabilities of being a good professional in their space. That's my personal mission. Let's move on to what um, are some of the ways that you think code switching might actually, I'm not gonna say be helpful, but how has it been beneficial? Because so there are some ways in which being able to fit a space I don't know, we ride that line. Is it good or is it just necessary? Is it a necessary evil? Is it something that we need to change? Is it something worth fixing? Are there times in which people need to, I don't know, assimilate? <laughs> All of it doesn't feel good, which leads me to believe that the answer is no. Sometimes you need a point of connection, right? Um, so where, as That's you good. may, you know, somebody may be more comfortable talking to you. It's a conversation starter, essentially, right? So I may bring up my child if there are, you know, maybe older partners talking about kids or my spouse, just as that point of entry. And maybe it's not the thing that I would have laid out with in a room with um, people who look like me or I'm familiar with, but it does allow me to start that conversation and take the guard down. Mm -hmm. That's a great point. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things I was going to hit on because I think the answer is that law school answer. It depends to all your questions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not something we want to continue to advance, particularly for leaders within organizations who have to manage, work with, inspire, have vision for people of various backgrounds. You want them to know and recognize that you appreciate them for who they are and the uniqueness they can bring. But it's certainly to an extent can be helpful and definitely lower the guard when you can find some points of connection, when you can find some points of, oh yeah, you know, I also have children too, as Victoria just stated, mm -hmm. or, oh yeah, you know, I, I also 
believe in the Lord, you know, as right. Tania mm-hmm. was speaking about, and we can, that's a conversation we can have. Whereas we wouldn't necessarily do that. And we feel like we have to hide it. I think when somebody opens that door, it allows us to show another depth to us, which can be extremely helpful in creating inclusive climates and workplaces where people feel like, Oh, well, you know, I was fretting over that nose ring and look, it really wasn't that big of an issue, especially since the person got to know me and knew how absolutely fantastic and amazing tooting my own horn over here I am just from talking to me so that didn't really change anything so that's what I think is a great thing for us all to to take into consideration sometimes we put a lot of pressure on ourselves about the need to code switching because we've done it for so long and we feel like we just have to do it that it's important for others in the room to acknowledge and create spaces where we know oh it's okay it's okay if I have that Southern twang every now and then, or if I slip and say something that I wouldn't otherwise say um, in, in the manner that I said it. So um, great points. I do think it depends, but the goal ultimately is not to assimilate, but to authentically be able to be yourself in whatever setting you're in. Yeah, that is, you said a mouthful, Nikimali. Um, It definitely is dependent on a bunch of factors, but Um, I was talking about this topic with a mentor of mine who is an older white male. So on a surface level, we don't have that much in common. So I wanted to get his perspective on this. Um, And he suggested that there is some value to having sort of a common culture and the ability to connect, as Victoria said. Um, But at the same time, he mentioned sort of, do we let that go too far and having everyone sort of be the same? Because at that point, we say we want diversity, but we're kind of having everyone, you know, think and act and talk the same way. And so there's there's some uh, there's something to say about finding that balance for people to be themselves, be authentic. But at the same time, we do want to be able to communicate effectively um, because otherwise we won't really be able to get things done and work as a team. So um, there's there's a lot to say there and a lot to think about. And like you said earlier, Tori, we're not going to get to it today. We're not going to solve it today. But just posing these questions and thinking about things in different ways are are helping us get there. I agree, y'all. So as we finish out, we're going to do um, something that we're going to try to hit every episode. If we don't quite get to it, it's okay. But we are going to try a lightning round. So think of one sentence of advice to offer to the group that I'm going to give to you about code switching, something that they need to consider, something that you think um, would be of value to them, some takeaway that as someone who's experienced this in different ways and different areas, you can shed some light on. So I'm just going to pick at random. Victoria, mid-level associates, what's your piece of advice to them? People are more ready for you than you think, and they can handle more of you than you feel you need to, to hide. That's great. Okay. That's good. <laughs> McKinley, CEOs. CEOs, be ready to take risks. Um, CEOs are there to take risks, but take risks on your people and how important it is to have elements of difference. We know from all the research and studies that diversity 
helps your company grow and thrive. So let's get at it. Let's let's hop on it and let's go in it full throttle. Perfect. Tania, law students. I would say to law students just to kind of pick your battles. I know it's it's tough to say that you need to quote unquote play the game, but I'm not going to pass up a job just because, you know, I didn't feel comfortable playing rap music in the garage. Like there are different, you know, different spaces and different circumstances where things are appropriate. So I would just say to, um, you know, do what you have to do to get ahead. There is, of course, a balance to be yourself at the same time. So just try to stay true to yourself. But I would still say do what you have to do, you know, to get the job. Um, I'm going to pick mine is diversity and inclusion chairs. Um, Generally, typically, those are black and brown folks in the office. Um, I think just as much programming and pulling from not only the absolute experts in the field, but putting together panels of people who come from very different areas and are at different stages in their career and in life. That is um, one of the best best ways to bring about so many different lived experiences and put it in front of people who want to know more. They just don't have the access to more information. Yeah, that's awesome. And as a final takeaway, I just want to add, you know, code switching is something we all do. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the message we want to get out there. Mm -hmm. If you're white, you're probably doing it too, just depending upon the groups. Mm -hmm. Like Like, you can even think parent versus friend. How does your LinkedIn (laughs) differ from your Instagram? Exactly. We're all doing it. And so (laughs) since we're all doing it, we can find a common way to see how it can pull from us when we feel like we have to keep changing which of us we're showing at any given time. So it's important to recognize it's there. You know, we're doing it and we need to work hard to find ways to lessen the need to do it. Yes. Amen. Thank you all so much for this really good conversation. We are going to pick this back up with the history of code switching. See y'all. Bye. Bye guys. Thank you for listening to diversity ever after a Baker Donaldson DNI podcast. We hope that this conversation has made you feel more seen, valued and empowered to become in touch in tune and inclusive in your day-to-day interactions. Remember that inclusion starts with I until next time. Please like, comment, and share this episode.